0: Good morning, everyone. We'd like to welcome you to Sunday service on this beautiful day. We'd especially like to welcome those of you who are visitors and guests here and those who are joining us on the internet. My name is Naya Swami Anandi. This is Naya Swami Bharat. And the talk this morning will be given by Bhadri. We'll begin by reading from Rays of the One Light Weekly Commentaries on the Bible and the Bhagavad Gita by Swami Kriyananda. And this is the basis for this morning's talk. Victory demands the courage of conviction. Truth is one and eternal. Realize oneness with it in your deathless self within. The following commentary is based on the teachings of Paramahansa Yogananda. Jesus Christ said in the Gospel of St. Matthew, chapter 10, Think not that I am come to send peace on earth. I came not to send peace, but a sword. For I am come to set a man at variance against his father, and the daughter against her mother, and the daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law, and a man's foes shall be they of his own household. He that loveth father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he that loveth son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he that taketh not his cross and followeth after me is not worthy of me. He that findeth that is to say, clingeth to, his life shall lose it. And he that loseth, in other words, that giveth up his life for my sake, shall find it. God tests the firmness of our faith. The sword described here is the sword of discrimination. The struggle Jesus describes is not a war against unknown enemies, but the struggle with our own attachment to all that is nearest and dearest to us, humanly speaking. Ultimately, it is a war against the ego itself and against anything with which we surround ourselves to bolster the ego's fragile sense of security. When Yogananda, as a boy, fled to the Himalayas to embrace a life of solitary meditation. He was apprehended by his older brother Ananta and brought home again. At a certain point, before he would accept defeat, he whispered to his friend Amar, his companion on the flight, let us slip away when opportunity offers, we can go on foot to Rishikesh. But Amar whose brother had accompanied Ananta, had turned pessimist, disclaiming any intention of continuing their adventure. Yogananda's memorable comment on Amar's refusal was, he was enjoying the familial warmth. The spiritual warrior rejects that familial warmth. Rather, he claims the whole universe as his home. As the Bhagavad Gita puts it in the 14th chapter, unaffected by outward joys and sorrows, or by praise and blame, secure in his divine nature, regarding with equal gaze a clod of mud, a stone, and a bar of gold, impartial toward all experiences, whether pleasant or unpleasant, firm-minded, untouched by either praise or blame, treating everyone alike, whether friend or foe, free from the delusion that in anything he does, he is the doer. Such a one has transcended nature's triune qualities. Thus, through Holy Scripture, God has spoken to mankind.
1: Good morning and welcome. I'd also like to welcome all those gathered here for our Sunday service at the Expanding Light Temple at Ananda Village and all those joining us the world around online, past, present, and future. I guess time is an illusion, so it's good to cover all bases there. I'll start with a reading from Paramahansa Yogananda's Whispers from Eternity, his immensely powerful and inspiring uh, book of poems and prayer demands. This is, Be Thou the General in my invasion of ignorance. I bled, spreading thy name and for thy name's sake I will ever bleed. With bloody limbs, broken body, wounded features, and bearing the thorn crown of derision, yet like a mighty warrior will I fight undismayed, even there where the skirmish is thickest. With a sword of calmness, I will stand firm against the hands of persecution. My disciplined armies of true aspiration, blowing trumpets in thy name, Now march in triumph to seize the dark kingdom of God-denying souls. No matter how many blows I receive, and no matter how often the swords of persecution pierce my heart, I am content in the realization that thou knowest my craving to spread thy name. I will wear my tribulations not as scars but as medals given for courage and as inspirations to strive ever harder in my fight against ignorance. O Lord, help me to conquer darkness with thy golden message of light. Be thou ever the general in my invasion of the continent of ignorance. So I apologize for the gory opening scene this morning. But there it is. Our topic uh, today is uh, Victory Demands the Courage of Conviction. And it stands in contrast to last week's Sunday service topic, uh, In Surrender Lies Victory. And so, (laughs) you may have noticed that. So the question naturally arises, which is it? Is it surrender or is it courage. And was Swami Kriyananda confused on the spiritual teachings when he wrote this commentary? I think not. It is, of course, as it is with many seeming paradoxes on the spiritual path, it is in fact both. And neither is it the extreme uh, of one or the other. That is to say, our surrender does not mean a limp or placid, passive surrender before trials and tests, and neither is our courage an excuse to steamroll every person or thing that stands in our way spiritually. So naturally to focus on courage this week, I have to say that this is one of the most awesome spiritual teachings to me, this teaching of the spiritual warrior. Um, As Yogananda put it, to stand unshaken amidst the crash, of breaking worlds and You know to really live for God and fight the good fight But it also means that we have to roll up our sleeves and do the work spiritually and that when we are beset with trials and Challenges that we don't cower that we take up our sword of discrimination as the reading says and in fact reflecting on this there's this aspect of God's glory in the in the battle you know thinking of the reminiscent of the Mahabharata and the great kshatriyas the spiritual warriors who fight this fight that is certainly true but more so perhaps is the truth that as devotees our daily life is the most courageous thing of all you know, in a time in the world where uh, global unrest and political and economic, environmental instability and on and on, as we all know, is just rampant, it takes great courage to live the spiritual life. To wake up each day and say, I will meditate. I will love God. I will see others as expressions of God. I will accept my deficits my challenges and setbacks as coming from god this is the most courageous thing of all and it's not often very glorious but in these smaller ways we will be prepared for the great tests that will come in our life be it family you know relationships finances health the tests that try to break us we will be prepared for them through the daily living of our spiritual lives. And later in life, or when they do come, we will find that it gets easier. As Yogananda again put it, difficult at first, but then effortlessly liberating. And as Swami Kriyananda once said, later in his life, having faced his share of trials, of persecution, of betrayals, challenges on all levels. He said with a smile on the subject of persecution, he said, now I eat persecution for breakfast. (laughs) Sprinkle it on my cereal. And he could make light of the truth that when those trials come and we've done the work, we, despite the very real human sufferings of this world and pains and sorrows, we will find God's joy and God's love right there in the midst of them. And one of the most beautiful things is to see people die on the spiritual path. Again, notwithstanding the very human sorrow of it, um, you see friends here at Ananda who face with so much courage that final exam of death, one friend Years ago, seven or eight years, who passed away here, um, as his body and his mind has continued to degrade, he couldn't do as many things, and he could go out and walk a bit outside. And he was observed walking alone or with just a friend. He was observed just quietly saying to himself or to God or to no one in particular, two words, love God, love God, love God. So for the devotee, when it all becomes stripped away, only that remains, which really matters, that devotion for God and that living for God. And it bears asking ourselves, as devotees, how far are we willing to go, you know, to live this daily courageous life? We certainly are in it for the right reasons, and we're serious about the spiritual path. we wouldn't be here but uh, we can be honest with ourselves we should be how far do we really want to go are we preparing ourselves to go the ultimate because that's what's at stake and that's what Yogananda and the Great Ones have promised us we can achieve in this life but it's not going to be easy Um, but we should set the bar high You know, one story of a disciple who approached his would-be guru and asked for initiation was met with the replies. The master brought him down to the river's edge and he plunged his head beneath the surface of the water and held him there suffocating. And when he finally let the young man up for air, he asked him, what was it you wanted most as I held you there beneath the water? And gasping, the man said, air, air. And he said, the master, when you want God that much, then you're ready. So that's what it takes is for our, our very need to breathe, to live, to have that desire to live for God. And again, nothing less. And it is a teaching that Yogananda instructs us that, We identify ourselves with our highest uh, reality as children of God. To claim our birthright, as he put it, as children of the one father, mother, God. And instead, so often we have identified ourselves with everything but God. And since childhood and many lives past, so many myriad things... Recently, I asked my three-year-old son, Jay, on the day of his birthday, we were going to the San Diego Zoo. And I said, Jay, would you like to live in the zoo with the monkeys? (laughs) He replied with a smile, I'm not an animal. I'm a vegetarian. (laughs) So (laughs) He may may have been right. I don't know. But in fact, we do identify with animal, vegetable, mineral, uh, man, woman, career, wealthy, poor, victim, uh, on and on and on. We think everything that we are not, we are, and we deny the one thing that we truly are as children of God. But as we follow this path and this teaching, we increasingly do realize that there's only one thing going on for us spiritually. Um, one disciple of Yogananda brother Turyananda, after a Sunday service in Los Angeles was approached by a woman who said to him, it's nice to meet you. She greeted him and said, my father is the president of the United States. And he immediately replied, and my father is the Lord of the universe. <laughs> and He meant it because he held that reality in his heart as a child of God, nothing less than that which we truly are. And we should do this too in our meditation, in our service, in our relationships with others. You know, identify ourselves as much as possible with our highest aspirations and nothing less. And to touch on this very important teaching in the reading of one's family. And Jesus' comments, perhaps difficult to swallow. I set a man against his father. I bring the sword. His enemies will be those of his own household. You know, this is a, a powerful spiritual challenge for some, depending on the karmic circumstances. And just speaking personally, you know, as a devotee, as a Father with a young family, as one who is very passionate about family, about community, about life. There can never be anything higher enshrined in the altar of my heart but God. Because the devotee knows that there's nothing to be found in this world that doesn't have its origins in God. And if we seek anything lower than that, we'll come up empty time and time again. And so it is that when we seek God first, then we find that very fulfillment of relationships of love of everything that we're seeking happiness in the things of this world, but first and last and always from God. And more specifically impersonally, you know, our family can be essentially a blessing, a spiritual supportive Blessing either direct or indirect they can be a more neutral or benign blessing and it still is a Boon to have family who doesn't outright oppose us in our spiritual efforts But if they are the third type, you know our biological family or say our very nearest and dearest friends Then they are not our friends if they oppose us spiritually if they resent reject our spiritual aspirations because anyone or anything that stands against us in our search for god is the enemy and it doesn't mean that we have to take up the sword necessarily but discriminate surely and to wisely navigate the waters of life without buying into what the world tells us you know and again, this can be a difficult pill to swallow for many, but we need to see through the veils of delusion and, hard as it may be, make the decisions that will take us to God. Yogananda tells the story of two, from the lives of two very young saints. The first, Swami Shankara, at age eight, when he left home in search of God, was met with the cries of his mother trying to stop him. He, of course, was a very advanced soul, and he responded by going to the river and allowing himself to be captured by a crocodile. He held himself there in the mouth of the beast and cried out to his mother, See, I'll let myself be devoured if you don't let me go in search of God. And I'll be lost to you either way, and so she consented. Rather an extreme teaching, but there's one approach. Another, another very high soul, Sukdev, um, is quoted when he left at age six in search of God. His father, the great Ved Vyasa. Um, tried to stop him. And he said, get away from me, father, you have maya. Mm -hmm. And his father was the author of the Vedas Mm -hmm. and the Bhagavad Gita. So, Yogananda said he had just a little attachment. Who knows what the lila of it all is, but nonetheless, if the circumstances dictate that we must leave everything in search of God, then so be it. You know, we, we take up the sword and one more beautiful instance of one such who left everything for God is of course the great Saint Francis of Assisi and many of you will be familiar with his life much more than I will account for here in just a few brief episodes but as a young man he had a great family, he had wealth and health and a wonderful life ahead of him. When he was faced with war and sickness, it awoke in him that spiritual yearning for more. And in his enthusiasm, he gave away some of his father's money, his father, the wealthy merchant Pietro Bernardone, And he was held in court f- before the bishop for giving away these sums of his father's money. And he shocked everyone present when he said, not only the uh, monies I have taken will I return, but everything that I own. And he stripped himself of his clothes and with deepest devotion just said, I will only say, my Father who art in heaven. And everyone was deeply moved, including the bishop who gave him his own garments. And from that point on, St. Francis lived a life of complete Poverty as he liked to refer to Divine Mother as Lady Poverty and Just gave everything to God when a friar generously offered him food and shelter he politely declined and Said isn't any place a man can lay his head suitable to call home in God see that lovely rock there in that shaded tree and that meadowed Glen and he said, "Divine Mother will provide my meals." And when he was uh, stricken, he—rather, when he was shamed and ridiculed for giving up everything and becoming a beggar by choice, he would go door to door in search of food. Saint Francis, and when he received just a little bit of bread scraps or some table scraps, some rotten grapes, and food there. He said that his body, as he lovingly referred to it, Brother Donkey would reject and repulse at the sight and smell of such a meal. But he said, Brother Soul chimed in and said, look what a lovely meal Divine Mother has prepared for us. How rich and varied are the courses. (laughs) And Brother Donkey was convinced and finished it all. And St. Francis lived in this way and went on to inspire millions, just a few at first, dozens, and gradually he reformed the entire church and history of Christianity, and continues to inspire millions, just a a young man who seemingly had everything and left it all for nothing, you know, inspiring millions in his love and ecstatic search for God. And so, This will be our search, perhaps not as grand, but nonetheless, each of us will walk our own path to God. And what will be the tools that will take us there? Of course, we know on this path of self-realization, of Yogananda, Kriya Yoga and devotion will be the twin engines, rocket propulsion engines that will take us to God. And Kriya Yoga, as Nayaswami Devasi once put it, Kriya Yoga is the divine alchemy. It takes the worst funkiness and transmutes it into pure gold. And that's from the global director of the Kriya Sangha. You can take it to the bank. <laughs> and it won't only be for our own salvation, the technique of Kriya, as the peerless Mahavatar Babaji put it, Kriya Yoga, the scientific technique of God-realization will aid in harmonizing the nations and bring about peace through man's personal transcendental perception of the Infinite Father. And so Kriya Yoga and devotion are the keys for us individually and for the world to uplift consciousness at this time. And you know if nothing else we can take heart that the search for God is the only thing that there is in this world there's nothing else going on for the devotee certainly as the disciples of Jesus put it when many disciples were leaving him in his time of great trial Jesus asked his closest disciples will you leave me too and they said master where would we go You know, as sincere spiritual seekers, where else could we go but the feet of our Guru and of God? There's no other search. There's no other show happening in the world today than the search for God. And when we know that and make that our highest goal, we will get there. As Yogananda said, victory is very near. And again, the search for God cannot wait. Everything else can wait but not the search for God. And the time for knowing God is come now. And when we arrive at those shores of divine realization, we will know the truth that even a thousand million earthly joys of this world will be like a dim candlelight before the blazing light of God and Guru. So I pray that each of us reach those shores very quickly, and that we have the strength and courage to do so.